Well, I went on a journey, Charlie. I went on a journey of veganism, and, and I definitely took red meat out of my diet and left myself eating that about once a month. Jessie asked me, she's like, how come you're scaling it? And I think members of the gym look at me as, I may be the top of the leaderboard, and I told everybody, I said, look, rowing and burpees are in my wheelhouse. The only other movement that's in my wheelhouse that hasn't come out is ball balls. Therefore, gymnastics is all a possibility, and I know I don't have that skill down. The summer of 2017, I cut all alcohol and cut all desserts and sugar out of my diet. And I, that definitely had a, a positive effect on my performance. Welcome back to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. Today, I have Brad Myers on the podcast back after 13 months since our last interview. You're going to take a lot away. Brad's been doing great in the gym, and you're going to learn what kind of changes he's made in his workouts and his diet. Enjoy. Okay, so how long, it's been how long since we interviewed podcast? Right at 13 months. So over a year. Yeah. Um, and, and great interview. If anybody listening has not gone back and listened to Brad's first interview, that was an awesome podcast. So make sure if you're listening, go, go check that interview out. Brad, what, so when you think about where you were 13 months ago, when you think about, tell me coming out of that interview, cause I think sometimes people listening don't realize like, man, when you interview for one of these, like you're kind of throwing yourself out there, you know, and you were very yeah. transparent, right? So you were very honest. And I think those make the best podcast is the ones that people are just very just honest and they throw themselves out there and hope that others can learn from whatever it is that they're sharing and so did you have any like conversations in the gym did you have any like people that listen that were just grateful or anything that people said man I really took this away from your interview did you have any experiences like that I had people come up to me and say, wow, I didn't know that about you. That's a remarkable story. Really enjoyed your podcast. But I think it's my own um, demeanor around the gym of, of uh, skill work, class, stretch, foam roll, leave. I'm very methodical in, in the process I do. I wasn't very approachable, maybe for more conversation about my true, true transparency, as you titled the podcast. Yeah. And what did you come coming away from that interview after you uh, did that or even listened to it? Like, was there anything that you took away from your own interview? Yeah, that I had come, I had turned a corner and began to embrace my childhood hurts, habits, and hangups of being overweight to now making it a positive story to impact and influence others. Yeah, well, and since that interview, you know, today's podcast will be kind of even talking about like since then and where you're at today and just kind of following up. So give me, you know, in the last 13 months, like, you know, I know that you've done some DEXA scans and you've kind of gotten some progress in your CrossFit journey. And so give me in, in a little bit of a like cliff note version, like where have you come from in the last year since we interviewed? Yeah, I've done um, three podcast, three, three uh, DEXA ray scans since that podcast and I've learned that experimentation with nutrition is really key. Um, ben Bergeron references um, uh, Metcons, metabolic conditioning. It's the game and the event of turning calories into energy. And so I've played around with a, 
my calorie intake and I've actually went away from meat for a little while on non-training days and went with more of a vegan approach, ultra plant focused. And I lost weight on it and I really do feel I was efficient with a higher carb intake with the Metcons, but then you get to the second part of 18.2 and everybody's strength levels is dwindling, but I felt like mine was even more below subpar. And uh, just getting under a squat bar now, I don't feel as strong as I used to be. So, so tell me this. You, so you said the Bergeron. Give me that reference uh, fuel of energy and what he says. Yeah. Ber- Bergeron said that the CrossFit sport is metabolic conditioning. If there was one aspect that he would focus athletes on to really improve the most, it's metabolic conditioning more than, than skill work or strength and power. Those are ultra, all very important, but... We ultimately have to become better conditioned and more efficient at turning calories that we consume into energy to fuel the body. Perfect. Okay, so a lot of times people don't put the two together, right? We don't think because I ate really bad last night, it's going to affect my noon workout tomorrow. Or because I am dehydrated or maybe because I drank soft drinks the day before mm-hmm. that it's going to affect my workout. So give me a little bit more into kind of how that works into your current fitness program. Well, I'm kind of an extremist and I know this. Um, went and did that podcast with you about February of 2017 and here we are sitting, you know, late March 2018. The summer of 2017, I cut all alcohol and cut all desserts and sugar out of my diet. And I, that definitely had a, a positive effect on my performance. Um, I definitely believe that when you do have maybe a higher fat diet or you do have those carbonated beverages before workout, I, I, I feel it. You know, I just feel sluggish. You don't. Rec- and were you kind of like a couple beers a night kind of guy or mm. a binge drinker on the weekends? Like what, what kind of, when you say we cut, I cut this out or sweets. Like Yeah. What? Well, I'll be honest with you. That was like a 12 pack a year type beer drinker. And I wasn't a mixed drink much at all. Hardly, hardly any alcohol consumption at all. Um, but sweet tooth. I definitely struggled with the sweets and I probably, you know, tried to limit myself to one or two a month. And, and they were serving sizes and I just had to draw a line in the sand and really honor a boundary in myself saying, you know, that's, that's something I struggle with and I'm going to respect it by abstaining from it right now. And there's a time and a place where I'll come into a better um, comfort with it. But right now, I, I wasn't doing it for performance purposes. It was more of a deep-seated belief that I need to honor a constraint in myself right now and develop a core habit. How long did you cut it out for? Uh, currently, I'm going on nine months. I stopped in June of last summer. You haven't had one sweet in nine no. months? or a drop of alcohol. And do you feel like, I mean, completely different? Is there, uh, I mean, where, what has that done for you? Yeah, I, I feel less um, pain in my joints. I feel less um, inflammation. If you will, I do know when, when um, the t- going gets tough in my life, I have a propensity to reach for sugar as the, cope, as the comfort coping mechanism. And not having done that, I now realize that um, I don't have the uptick of hunger as much when I abstain from sugar. 
I do recover faster. I don't have the pain and um, inflammation in my joints. And I'm just more cognitively clear. I, I just know I can zero in on a task and, and focus better instead of looking for the next sugar. Will you reintroduce these things at some point in your life? Um, probably not alcohol. My family's um, not really prone, uh, pro-alcohol consumption. I've had two major run-ins with the law, one an MIP back in college and, and another embarrassing DUI. And I use that as a voice of testimony with my uh, health students at the community college that, hey, if we're going to con- consume alcohol, we need to know the right amount to remain coherent. To If we're going to operate a, a motor vehicle, we need to like call for uh, some designated driver, use Uber. So alcohol, I don't believe I'll just reintroduce back into my life. I, I don't see a whole lot of benefit from it in my sphere of influence when it comes to um, just raising the family and doing that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with it, and I don't I don't judge anybody that does consume in moderation. They, that that it's legal for a reason. Yeah. yeah. So what about the when you said you went plant based or you went you cut meat out? Give me a little bit more about that experience and how long you did that for. Uh, you know, if you do it again, would you recommend people try that? Well, I went on a journey, Charlie. I went on a journey of veganism, and, and I definitely took red meat out of my diet and left myself eating that about once a month, and that was consisting of bison. And I definitely stayed away from any marbled red meats. And the reason I went away from meats is, you know, I, I tuned into those what the health. Uh, documentaries, Forks Over Knives, and there's lots of other ones bouncing around Amazon and Netflix. And coming from a family that's very overweight and has propensity of diabetes, I took it upon myself to think that there was more to food than just calories. And I wanted to make preventative, take preventative measures into preventing diseases. So believing some of the uh, uh, statistics and facts that were relayed in, in those documentaries, I decided it wasn't, it wasn't for me to eat as much meat. I came from a football plan background and aimed for one and a half grams of protein per pound of body weight. And I had, um, I had digestive issues. I mean, it was just excessive and it wasn't, it wasn't working for me. So you had to modify the protein intake. And then I began to read about some professional athletes that, that are training vigorously, just like a CrossFit athlete that were eating vegan. And they had the, the resources to take supplementation to help with that low protein intake because they weren't consuming meat and getting those uh, minerals and branch chain aminos. So I, I've since reintroduced meat back into the diet, probably going to, after getting a recent DEXA ray scan, I realized I, I lost a little bit of muscle mass. In, in a six months of my experimentation. And I know my performance in the strength and power output spectrum, it decreased a little bit too. So what, um, give me some specifics on that DEXA scan. So where were you, where are you, kind of where have you come? Yeah, well, from October of 2017 to here in March, I uh, went down 1% body fat. I went from about 16.5% down to 155 and lost a little bit of uh, total total fat mass and lean mass. Uh, But my bone structure stayed fine, which is probably uh, 
just because of doing so much weight bearing exercise here for those older folks at the gym like that is the best thing to do just keep those weights on your on your bones and keep them strong but I have, I have some goals. I want, to, I want to gain a few pounds of muscle, uh, specifically five or more pounds, and then uh, drop my body composition down below 15%. And uh, might do that in the next year. I'm just going to uh, recalibrate my diet, kind of go to the regular zone, you know, 33-33 and about 34%, you know, between carbs, fats, and proteins, and uh, play with it from there just to see how my body responds. And... Um, it's not a reintroduction of meat back into the diet, but it's probably an uptick of um, macro of protein. Yeah, so we you we interviewed February of seventeen, and then you got a DEXA scan shortly after that. Right, and you were at. Uh, I started in June of seventeen. I started at twenty one percent body fat. Man, so you're down over. You're at probably almost six percent. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people listening DEXA scans or they don't they're not as familiar with DEXA scans, but like the DEXA scan actually a defensive back at Texas A&M measures at like 13%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like to for you to be at 15 is is actually really impressive because and to know that you've come from 21 or 21 and a half down to where you're at now so yeah a couple things about that dexa it'll find the essential fat on your organs so you may find you come away from that test going oh my goodness i'm still over 17 percent fat well it's counting the essential fat too on you and i just want to highlight you know from june of 2017 to october 2017 that was the time frame when i cut out the alcohol and the sugar and, and I, you went and from I, where to where? I went from 21% down to 16.5. Wow. Let's repeat that. Yeah. <laughs> you Cutting out alcohol and sugar, you went from 21.2 to 16.5% yep. in a, in a six-month period of time? Yeah, a little less. A little less. It was right at 5% decrease in about less than six months. Now, you are, have re- referenced uh, with me, even as just before we started recording, about the power of habit and Dustin Campbell's podcast that we did back uh, last year and talking about habits. And you want to read, you said you want to read that book. And when you, when in that book, what he talks about is replacement. So it's like if you can't, he mentions you can't really cut habits completely. Like that's really hard. That typically you replace them. So, mm-hmm. have you replaced those sweets or replaced alcohol with something different in order to change your diet? I would say I've replaced my sweet consumption, um, probably with moderate moderate fruit. I would probably eat like a quarter of a banana, and I sometimes freeze them and put them on a rice cake with with one. Um, tablespoon of almond butter and I do that periodically another way that I kind of changed my habit instead of reaching in the fridge and grabbing a handful of grapes or blueberries late at night and I'll just kind of look at the clock realize my body is tired it's not needing fuel it's needing sleep so I'll go and brush my teeth so I have a clean mouth and I'm less likely to eat (laughs) You know, it's funny. Bergeron just says that in his podcast last week. Yeah. And I thought that's actually genius. It is. Because having that nighttime food, but like if you have this minty clean mouth, 
you don't want to get it dirty, you know? No, just, so, just keep it till morning. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's cool that that actually has, has worked with you too. Because when he, when he said that, I thought, man, that's pretty interesting. I actually think that would work. So mm -hmm. He even incorporated some push-ups in there. Yeah, 30 push-ups yep. at night. Um, okay, so uh, Dustin Campbell's podcast was big-time influence for you, right? So tell me what you took away from his. Well, we all have the traditional habits and the things that we do and a lot of times they're just mindless so you we habitually reach into the fridge we maybe purchase some foods at the grocery store that we always put on our list but we don't really know the why behind it and then we don't know why we're consuming them maybe it's a feel-good thing and there's there's habits that can be replaced with alternatives um maybe it's a maybe it's going from a carbonated beverage into to something with less sugar in it or maybe a more marbled cut of meat to something else or uh, there's a lot of different things that we can take small steps to improve um, not everybody has has the intestinal fortitude and discipline to just cut things out of their diet cold turkey um, I know when I was trying the veganism I didn't have the guts to cut meat out completely because I knew I was still exercising more than other people and I needed some sort of protein intake. So what, um, what did you replace that with? How did you get, I mean, how many grams of protein were you getting during that vegan period? Uh, plugging it into my fitness pal, I was still hovering around 160 to 180 grams and, and that, and I don't count my post-workout shake with that. I just kind of consider that a wash. So that's just actual macro food consumption. And then I was eat, eat, consuming a vegan protein um, post-workout with some Was dates. that all coming from shakes? No, no, it wasn't coming from shakes. I kind of researched and went with some sprout breads that are six grams per slice of bread. And I was using um, um, milk that had a pretty good um, protein content in it. And we've never thought about seeds, but they do have some protein elements to them, although they are more heavily weighted in the healthy fat category. Uh, so it, it just it was a, a little bit of a change of I wasn't motivated by preserving animals. I grew up on a farm and ranch and did 4-H and FFA and I raised livestock. I understand that business avenue. It was solely focused on the health spectrum of okay, they're saying that these meats and this type of food is causing uh, cancer or something like that. And um, we, we all have to be mindful of where the money and the propaganda is coming from. And what I mean by that is sometimes researchers and studies are rolled out, but they have financial backing from governing agencies that, that want you to consume things. Where are you eating? Where are you eating your meat from now? I'm a all white meat, uh, chicken breast, turkey meat with 99% um, uh, lean and with occasional bison about once a month. Do you eat low fat purposefully? I mean, I guess, is there a reason you don't want any high fat meats? Yeah, I, I try to stay away from high fat just from a, a fear of uh, blocking up arteries and, and getting a saturated fat gotcha. blockage over the years. I know we kind of piggyback tailed back to the the no meat thing but um, that's fine so another podcast you mentioned was something that you got a lot from was chris reyes podcast yes and uh tell me what what that podcast kind of spoke to you well the, the small changes 
over long periods of time goes a long, long ways. Uh, the, the substitution of rice cakes and almond butter over an actual brownie at night or mixing a little bit of chocolate protein with PB2, you know, substantially less calories, but it's still letting you feel like you live life and you're, you're not depriving yourself, but you, you're putting high-quality protein in your body and, and you're able to make that small change and you wean yourself off brownies or fill in the blank of whatever your, your, our crutch and our go-to is. And doing that over time, you begin to see results, maybe in the gym, maybe looking in the mirror, maybe bouncing through a, a parking lot. We all have that biometric feedback on our bodies and we're very self-critical, but it's hard to remain persistent with small changes over time. So that's why I decided to go and get a DEXA scan about every six months so I could visually see the numbers of change. Does having that checkpoint with the DEXA like really help you stay accountable to whatever it is that you're trying to do? Absolutely. Accountable. And then I was kind of in a little self-research project here. of Like, hmm, can I really train at a moderately to high level? I'm not training like Trent and Josh, you know, um, vying for the games. But I definitely have four, four days a week, if not more, in the gym. And I just wondered if my body would hold up at the age of 33 with a reduction of protein intake. And it, it's held up, but it hasn't. I don't know if it's sustainable. Yeah. Um, and then the, the third, other, another podcast you said spoke to you was Brian Fisher's podcast about stewardship of your body. So can you kind of let me or unpack like what that podcast said to you? That one I listened to quite a few times. It was impactful because it, it laid out the foundation of we are responsible for ourselves and it comes down to boundaries and, and we have to be the best version of ourselves which i thought the stewardship of our bodies fit right into the the gym slogan of building better people we have to take care of ourselves first so we're better pastors fathers mothers grandparents students workers janitors whatever our vocation is and stewardship of our body will empower us to do a better job of all those things. Um, I, I, I definitely feel like I've turned a corner in the last year on a spiritual front, you know, hearing those podcasts about uh, stewardship of our bodies or listening to recent sermons on discipleship. It's, it's led me to a better understanding that it's not about the clicking the RX button on the on Wattify or trying to squat the heaviest weight. It's about trying to multiply by numbers and bring people along with you. Um, being a member of Grace for the last few years, Grace Bible Church, I've taken a spiritual gift test and I know I'm, I'm one of the more loud vocal people in class. I love to clap people on and encourage them and that's just I want to exhort people to another level and I feel like if I can do that and encourage students at my, in my um, community college job as a teacher and encourage people at the gym and be a role model for others in the community, I can help begin to multiply by numbers and we can begin to make a small dent in this obese population and educate people 
about the importance of stewarding their bodies and developing keystone habits and telling them that they don't have to make landslide changes to make a difference. They just need to start somewhere with very simple changes. So how, how did that all kind of spur from that stewardship? You know, just trying to, I want to get your thought mm. process because it's like, man, you know, in the, what you just shared is, sounds like it's been a year in the making, you know, or like nine months or six months in process. So um, give me kind of the format of like how, man, I heard this, you know, guys share his fitness journey and he talks about stewardship and then how that led to this idea of multiplication. And you said God's kind of been stirring in your heart about it, what it's not about and what it is about. And it's about encouraging people. And so kind of give, but give me a little bit more. Break that down. Yeah, after hearing the, the, the stewardship podcast, I began to realize that, okay, we are on this earth and it's not our body. We were given this as a gift and we are responsible for taking care of it. So once I began to embrace that, you know, that was just a few months after my podcast, I believe. So then roll around June and that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to really steward my body by eliminating some harmful things that to it and then that allowed me to get a little deeper relationship with myself and understand that it's not it's yes it's not about me but I've been active in in uh, and blessed with speaking opportunities that deliver spiritual talks over uh, growth and study growth in biblical study and then um discipling other young men and women and those talks and the efforts and the steps of preparing those talks have taught me that, yeah, there needs to be discipline. Well, there's discipline in our meal prepping. There's discipline in our, our um, habits of, okay, I'm going out to Chewy's restaurant. Well, I, do I get the chicka chicka boom boom sauce on this enchilada? No, I ate kind of bad last night. I'm going to resort to a salad. You know, then you, then you realize your, your discipline there. And then once I began to unpack the discipline, I moved into the uh, studying of discipleship and realizing that we are all made to be in community with one another. And that's what Call Station CrossFit does a great job of cultivating that culture. We're meant to be in community with one another. Granted, we suffer in numbers. Sometimes those 20-minute AMRAPs aren't as fun, but they're easier together. And when you're also navigating life in a community, bringing and pulling and imploring people to come along with you, you're leaving more of an impact and a legacy with them. It's, it's not really leadership when one takes all of the knowledge and doesn't try to apply it or help anybody else. They're just kind of selfishly hoarding the information and they're not reaching out and throwing that life jacket, life um, raft to someone else. Yeah, and in that you mentioned about RX and scaling and so how, you know, you how has this factored into how you approach that and whether it's deciding to scale workouts like you told me you scaled 18.3, you know, and the decision to scale 18.3 and how that came about and just overall in general like what is what does RX even mean, you know? Yeah. And, and so go ahead and kind of give it a mm-hmm. go at answering that question. Well, RXing, RXing workouts is a, 
accomplishment in itself. We are all participating. If you are in doing CrossFit, we're participating in the gold standard highest bar fitness there is. When I saw that 18.3 workout get rolled out, I was like, oh my goodness, like that is that is legitimately hard. Granted, I don't concept I don't quite grasp the concept of skills when it comes to the muscle ups and double unders. So I struggle at those movements. Well, how much do I struggle at them? It probably takes me sub five minutes to get 20 double unders. All right. So I don't quite have that in my bag or a wheelhouse yet. So knowing I was so far removed from the first movement of requiring 100 double unders, I, in my mind, I thought I was being kind of a, a scapegoat artist of not doing the RX workout and trying it. And But instead, I realized that I have so far to go, it's okay to embrace that I'm the 80 plus reps away from being able to do 100 double unders. And I realized the importance of Using that as motivation for the upcoming year, I feel like harnessing that and motivating myself, but also to accept the reality where we're at. If I know I'm so far away from um, being able to press the RX button, it's okay. I, I sometimes think in a social media-driven society, we want to click that like. We want people to click the like button and give us likes and shares so we get that feel good response. And we also wanna feel good to click the RX button. But there's so many contributing factors that may not be good for you. You may not have the strength level. You may not have the skill level, i.e. me in 18.3. You may have had sleep deprivation as a parent. Uh, you might be, you decided to swing by Whataburger and have that greasy meal and then you get to the gym and oh my goodness, it's a 20 minute workout. Well. You're probably going to burn up and burn out before that 20-minute workout's up if you're fueled off of fast food. So all those examples of contributing factors, they, they may be best for you to scale it right then and there. And I view myself as a scaled athlete right now and probably for years to come because if you're in this for the long haul, you have to learn to listen to your body and and, and it's not a bad day if you uh, if you scale a workout just remember we are the gold participating in the gold standard highest fitness community there is and not everybody's designed to to do the rx workouts in fact there's been a lot of chatter that this workout 18.3 was designed with nobody expecting to be able to complete two full rounds so you know obviously you came to this thought at some point in the last year about this. So, you know, what, where's that resistance, uh, prior to scaling? Like, where do you feel like people who don't want to scale workouts? Like, where does that come from? I think it comes from deep root of pride. Uh, people want to lift that weight. They want to do the workout as written and they're not, their bodies aren't ready for it. Their minds aren't ready for it and it ends up setting them back um you know i'm a financial guy dave ramsey advocate and a lot of times when people decide not to scale a workout and they do rx and they were sleep deprived and they've had a horrible week of eating they actually take a withdrawal out of their training bank instead of maybe doing it scaled work on a little bit more quality movement 
um, ramp up the intensity by moving faster with lighter weight, that's going to put a deposit in your, in your training bank where you're going to have more fitness wealth down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like for you to say, Hey man, I scaled 18.3 when you had been at the top of the leaderboard for the first two workouts, it, it, you know, it requires humility to kind of say, Hey, you know what? Maybe this workout's not the one that I need to be able to go. Um, and, and a question for you too, is how do you balance that with pushing? Right? Because I think that there's a, uh, let's say you're not pushing if you scale, but like in these open workouts, you know, what I've seen over time is a, a person asked me this same question about 18.3. Should I RX it or should I scale it? And, you know, I, I think I sometimes, you know, have to ask like, well, unless you're put in a situation where you have to perform, you might never perform. You know, and when it comes to double unders, you know, if you can't do them or if it comes to bar or ring muscle ups, you know, or for that matter, even pull-ups. Yeah. You know, and so somebody maybe would have gone RX'd because they had double-unders, but they didn't have pull-ups, right? So that they could have gotten through the overhead squats and a whole nother set of 100 double-unders and then basically hit a wall at the ring muscle-ups. Whereas if they scaled it, they would have had to do chin-to-bar pull-ups. You know what I mean? And right. so... Um, at what point do you say, you know what, maybe I should take the chance, right? Or maybe I should push myself. Like where, you know, in your opinion, because you're, you know, you're exercise fizz guy, you're, you know, push hard in the gym kind of guy, you're young, type A, go getter, you know, it. Not saying that your decision to scale 18.3 was not a good idea, but I, I love the subject and I appreciate you talking about it. But at what point is it like, let's go RX and push ourselves, you know, or let's run the, let's run the full marathon instead of the half because been, we've been, you know, killing it in the half marathon category. And at some point we need to get out of our comfort zone and sign up for the full or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Something longer, something harder. So where do those two roads meet? Do they? And kind of what's your response on that? Well, I think that's going to vary by the athlete. And we all know it's, it's going to be psychologically driven in regards to what's going to get us from the half marathon to the full or get us past the double unders into the ring muscle ups. I, a number popped into my head when you asked that question, and I think it's about 40% rule. And what I think that I mean by that is if your skills are within about 40% of capacity, if you're getting 40 of those 100 double unders, maybe take that energy of Friday night lights and take that ripe opportunity of the open and allow that person that's standing beside you that's judging and counting every rep. And they're going to help pull you to a new PR and they're going to help get you to, to the next level. Um, I think so many times we're just so critical of ourselves that we we probably think, oh my goodness, I'm only at 40 double unders and I had to do 100 that we're not ready for it. Or I have no other skill when it, beyond the overhead squat when it gets to the bar and the ring muscle ups. Um, there has to be a level of comfort and familiarity of, of the actual movement. For me, I've only been on the rings once in my life. 
and I uh, must got my first bar muscle up last year in the open, and I continue to drill that. So I knew there was more than one movement in that workout that was that I was probably less than proficient at. So that was another reason. It wasn't just the double unders that was an obstacle in the way. It was the ring muscle-ups when I did get to those. Um, you know, and another, another limiting factor of 18.3 was some people's mobility when it came to the overhead squats. And that was just movement number two. So that, you take a look at all the movements. Take a selfless, selfless, humble look in the mirror. And then you ask yourself, like, can I come to the gym with the best attitude, give it my best effort, and if that's all I can do for the day, maybe it's RX, but maybe it's not. And Bergeron talks about it, and it's repeated in his podcast. It's not about the whiteboard. It's about attitude and effort. No, and I think that's a great answer, and I think it's a great subject, right, to bring up because um, it's something that I think people maybe struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have opposite ends of the spectrum. You have the people who are you know, in the scaled category that never feel like they'll ever be in the RX category. Um, and then you have the people who are, you know, maybe on the cuff, right? They're kind of like borderline. So they probably end up RXing workouts that they shouldn't, Yeah. you know? Um, and, and then even at the level of, a, of an RX athlete, right? Just kind of even, I would say like knowing, you know, that sometimes, you know, maybe due to injury, it's okay to scale. Yeah. (laughs) You know, even if you've been RXing workouts for five years, but all of a sudden you are, you know, in, in pain, right? You've got injury that you're nursing. Well, it's okay. You know, or like even Alicia, you know, she's not able to run or jump rope right now from a foot fracture. And so she had to do the skier, you know, and it's funny when we were entering her score on the website, you couldn't enter zero. Like, because she, the workout starts with double under or with singles in the scale. So, yeah. um, but even just like knowing that, Hey, it's okay if you have to substitute scale, you know, in order to not, cause for her to jump rope a hundred times and risk injuring her foot when she's a mom and mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a wife and, you know, she doesn't need to do that, but she can ski her and get a great workout, you know? And so we've got a lot of that happening right now at the gym with, Jordan, you know, and her knee, and then we had Liz week one with her, her knee. knee, and then we have TJ right from his uh, snowboarding incident. So um, scaling workouts is always okay, you know, and uh, I think you know you're right because Brian Fisher's podcast actually points at that a lot about just get in the gym. Absolutely, you know? don't don't avoid the gym because you're you're injured or. Um, okay, so that's a good segue when we're talking about scaling and then, you know, muscle-ups and things like that to segue into the last question, which is goals mm-hmm. uh, for two, for moving forward. Well, I not even just say for 2018. It's just like moving forward, you know, from where you are right now in your fitness journey, what are some goals that you have? I want to become a little bit more studious about the CrossFit movements. I'm going to consider going to get level one certified just so I'd learn the terminology and, and better understanding of how the, how the body can work. I, want, I mentioned earlier that I want to you know, gain a little bit of muscle and strength and I want to accumulate more skill, uh, become better at the double unders and gymnastics movements. And the reason I want to do that is 
yeah, I'd like to press RX button and feel that same great of sense of accomplishment like everyone else. But I also want to bring people along with me and, and the power of community and multiply more people into a confident level of their fitness. And the goal for that is it's kind of lofty, but it can be done just one person at a time. So when I'm around the gym and, and really encouraging people, it, even if you haven't heard this podcast, I just want you to know what lens I'm looking through and why I'm coming at it from the way I am. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.